This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel with myself, Sean Bradbury. I'm delighted to have with me today Theo Squires to my left. Theo, how's tricks? Not too bad. Uh, seeing off this cold, I think, and getting there. Excellent. You're winning. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> um, Liverpool, of course, top of the Premier League table um, by quite some distance now, marching on with that title challenge. But what we want to talk about is, of course, last night's antics in the Champions League, where the Reds finished top of Group E through to the last 16 of Europe's Premier competition. Um, did it the hard way, all went down to the last day, which is something Jürgen Klopp and his side are very much used to, but several big talking points that have come out from that. And we'll start, Theo, with Naby Keita. Now, you were watched the Reds last night, but you were at Bournemouth for the weekend, so I like to feel you've, you've played your part in this mini resurgence we're seeing from Naby Keita. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess the big question is, on the lips of every single fan, is, is, this, is this the time that you truly think we will see him kick on now? I mean, I have to say, I was... I was a, Pretty surprised to see him in that team last night. I think there's there's lots of reasons why I think Kate's Liverpool career so far has has stuttered and hasn't really sprung to life. And obviously we'll we'll go into them. But for me, a lot of it has come down to the fact that when the stakes have been high and in terms of the Premier League, that's pretty much every week given the standards that City have set over the last couple of seasons. I've always thought in Klopp's mind, can he can he risk this man? I know we we pay big money for him, fifty two million. Um, and we've seen glimpses, we've seen goals, we've seen assists, we've seen lots of flashes of, of the talent that everyone knows he does possess. But when it comes to the crunch, can you throw him into that midfield when every single week you've almost got to get perfection to, to match Man City? And I thought last night, well, once again, it's it's a must-win game for Liverpool. Or, you know, They had to at least draw, they had to avoid defeat away in Salzburg to progress um, pretty much given the permutations. So yeah, when when his name dropped in that team sheet, were you were you surprised that given how high the stakes were, or did you have faith in your man, Naby? Um, when the team dropped, I wanted to see him start this one because you look at the other Liverpool players that you know on the, the sidelines a bit, and you want them to get opportunity. I don't think um, Divock Origi getting dropped batters his confidence or anything. Same for Shakiri; they're very confident. They've got faith in their ability. They've been there. They've done that. Whereas Naby Keita, it's never really happened for him at Liverpool. Mm. So it's one where when you've got a trip to his former club. And he's played so well against Bournemouth. I don't think Jurgen Klopp could afford to drop him when the main thing that's been lacking from his Liverpool career is that consistent run of games. So now we're all getting excited because he's played, what, well, twice in a row. Yeah. But the fact that is, Liverpool have been waiting for so long for these sorts of performances. And Joe said to us on the podcast last Friday, um, is it almost time to give up on him if he doesn't turn it around in December? And we make him big calls. Yeah, he is running out of time. So he's obviously, that was his pre-match listening <laughs> down the, on the way to the South Coast. Um, we all know the talent he possesses. And it's one of those where Jurgen Klopp doesn't have, I don't think, a strongest midfield. It is always going to be Fabinho and two others. And even at the moment, you can say, well, Fabinho doesn't have to be mainstay now because Jordan Henderson's playing so yeah. well there again. But he always picks his team on how who they're playing against and what they need to get the job done. Like we've seen this season countless times, Alex, on, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, ball at his feet, uh, running forward, pressing teams, scoring from distance. And that is a threat that if against, against Manchester City, that mm. will cause them a lot of problems but then there is a different type of game where you can have more time on the ball and that is perfect for Naby Keita and he just seems to considering how many knockbacks he's had in the past and he's not really found his feet it doesn't seem to be phasing him now whereas mm. last year I suppose when you got to find your feet in the Premier League there's always that uneasiness about oh have I made the right move um, well we've not really seen him now so I suppose that's why it feels a bit longer this season but he's had that time to settle behind the scenes he's been training well and Jurgen Klopp said in his um, post-match after the Bournemouth game that he's wanted to give him the opportunity but it's just 
how do you give him the opportunity when the team's been playing well? Mm. So he's like, he can't even throw him on in games because when Liverpool have been like, say, drawing one all or losing one nil, need to turn it around or they're winning by a goal, you don't want that luxury player coming on. He wants to bring on your Diva Corrigi so you can just lump it long, yeah. get a bit of physical or throw on another centre-back. Um, and now circumstances have given that opportunity to give Naby Keita a chance on the team through injury to... Um, Fabinho and having to rotate going into this period and he's grabbed the opportunity with both hands it's great to see because like earlier this month in the derby we saw Shakiri grab his opportunity Origi grab his opportunity Oxlade Chamberlain's been doing it every time he started pretty much the last month or so and when you've got this run of games Jurgen Klopp is going to be rotating players so mm. if they're all coming in and looking so strong you've gone from saying Liverpool have got a really good 11 to Liverpool have got a really good 15-16 when everyone's back from injury, it's a really good 18. Mm, totally. Well, the next point you, you kind of touched on it there was going to be that Derby team selection dropped and people were thinking, hang on, what's what's going on here? A couple of the front three uh, rested, Shakiri in there, Riki in there, but I think a lot of fans have said since that they'll never question uh, a Jürgen Klopp team selection again. And, you know, last night again, it did seem like a little bit of a gamble throwing Cater in there, despite the fact, as you've said, he played so well at the weekend. But once again, the boss was proved right. He got his goal. So I, I guess the question remains, Injuries aside, which obviously could happen to anyone and, and could disrupt Cater as it could disrupt any member of the Liverpool team, do you now feel confident that he he can kick on and you know grab the mantle? And like you like you said before, and was much mentioned on a previous pod, I guess the the way question marks around him, but feels like a good a good December, a decent January for him um, as a as a relatively fresh player now coming into this Liverpool team, having not featured much this season, could it could really kick him on, but it could really kick the season on too. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you think back to last year, um, Diva Karigi was the defining player, wasn't he, really, for the campaign? Yeah. He didn't get his opportunity until the derby at the start of December. Um, you always need those players that come in at the right moments. I think we can think back to all these league campaigns over the years. Uh, the player that is defining in the title race comes in later. That's mm. when they have the impact. They lift the squads. And you don't get it as much now with the transfer windows because you can't go and say, oh, flipping a bit here, we need someone in March. Liverpool's most famous example, Ronnie Rosenthal. Yeah. Um, whereas you have to rely on your players in the squad who haven't had that opportunity to come in and pick up and do the business. And it's a great time in the fact that Naby Keita is looking fit, he's looking fresh, he's looking on form when, say, uh, Roberto Firmino, he's looking a bit tired. And Liverpool's, they're always going to have this issue in the squad when you've got that front three and you've got the players who are in every week that they would get tired at this stage where they're playing games two, three times a week. Mm. Well, maybe even four when we've got this Villa game thrown in. Um, just because you've had Copper America. You've had the World Cup the year before that. Mm. They haven't had the breaks. And then they've had, what, a couple of weeks, a holiday before pre-season. And they've got to get up to speed again. And when the season started, that was great for them because they hadn't had that time away. So they were still fresh. They were still energetic. And they, they did look so in form and now it's caught up with them a little bit. And mm. that's when you look into your Origis, your Shakiris, your Navigators who are hungry. They want to get in. They want to get the opportunities to make the difference. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed we see even more than we are so far from Naby as the weeks roll on over the festive period. Right, our, our second kind of main point of discussion is our second goal scorer. Let's have a little chat about Mo Salah. Because it's been an interesting season for him. I think it's something like in in Premier League and Champions League. I think he's had nineteen games, something like eleven goals and six assists. I think I think that's about right. So by by any other player's standards, it's that's pretty spectacular. Still, I know you still kind of look back at that first season with him, and and he set such a high bar early on that I think any any kind of slight feeling of disappointment around Salah which I think there is a little bit of that in the fan base this season at times is almost unfair and he hit the ground running so spectacularly that he's still playing catch up maybe a little bit with that but what we saw from him last night 
there's so many things to be impressed by there. There's, the, there's that right foot finish. There's the fact that he had chances, huge chances, two in the first half. One, I think right at the start of the second half again, but didn't let it phase him. Scored this goal from an, an impossible angle. Um, yeah, and he's just he's just not one you can write off, is he? What, have you, what, what did you make of him last night and, and so far this season? I thought it was um, really interesting in the post-match on BT last night when you had Mike Lowen saying there were games where he was criticised for missing chances and people would say he'd had a bad game. And he's like, what are you on about? I had like six chances. You yeah. didn't score them, but I was in that position. And I think Mohamed Salah, he's now in that same mindset, isn't he? Like he's not scoring as many goals as we've seen him score in the past. But I was surprised um, when I realised at the weekend that was his 10th of the season. I didn't mm. realise he'd had that many. And then to go and get his 11th last night, he's still a very dangerous player. And he is Liverpool's star name. There's no doubt about it. Possibly the only reason he's not getting the affection and the attention he deserves is because the man on the other wing is doing so well and hadn't been when Salah was having that amazing season two years ago. Yeah, like Sadio Mane is just incredible at the moment. And that's probably a good thing if you think about it because it means Salah can go under the radar because it's just a roles reversal for him because that's what it was when everyone was focused on Salah. Mane was going under the radar getting the goals. But if you think back to each year, I think, since Liverpool arrived under Jurgen Klopp, there's a very similar pattern here. Like you have writing off Mohamed Salah because he's not scoring every week in this autumn winter period. They're not at their best. They're still grinding out results. Mm. And then you get to Christmas and then it's full steam ahead. They're scoring every week. They're finding form. And that's happened in the last two seasons now. And this season's going the similar sort of way. So I think it's far too early to write him off. Granted, he did miss a lot of opportunities last yeah. night. It was very frustrating at times. That one in the first half, and his right foot when he's maybe trying yeah. to be a bit too clever at the near post. I, I assumed um, when that three ball from Mane came to him in the second half, I was just out, out my seat going, oh, goal, when he's gone to try and round yeah. the keeper. You just yeah. assume and he's done it. And then it was a great save from the keeper. But we've seen in the past when he's had these little droughts, drops of form, um, his head's dropped a little bit. He's not taken those chances. And last night did feel like it was going to be one of those. Mm. And then he goes and scores the most incredible goal from the stupidest of angles with his weaker foot. <laughs> Mohamed Salah does not have a right foot. He, there is no way he can score that goal. <laughs> and he's gone and found a way of doing it. He's reached the next level. Uh, he is this type of player that he only scores two, three types of goals. Bournemouth, this goal there, that was very Mohamed Salah. Yeah. You know, he's running off that last man, looks up, one touch, slots it past the keeper. We've seen him score that countless times. We've also seen him cut inside, bend it in the top corner with his left foot. We see that. We don't see him score with his right foot. We don't see him score from that angle. Mm. And we do see his head drop. So for him to completely rip up that script and score the goal he did yesterday to put Liverpool in the knockout stages, he's reaching the next level and hopefully it's good timing. It's something he can pick up again and we can see history repeat itself again during the second half of the season where he just takes it all up to another level and it hits Tom Ford. Mm, absolutely. In, in terms of that goal, um, where where would you rank that in the in the ever growing seller pantheon? I think, like you said, it, it deserves mm-hmm. extra marks given the ridiculous angle and the fact that it was his right um, that he'd missed chances previously is is another factor in it. Do um, you think it's right up there for him? I think it is when you look at the contacts because he is a big game player. He scores goals at big moments, and the ones even not the big game goals, they're special. So yeah. the ones that always spring to mind for me are the Roma Champions League semi final. That second one where he's just bent it top corner. Yeah. Uh, the Chelsea one last year. Mm. I know um, the Everton goal got, that was the first class award, wasn't it? I still don't think that was his best at the time. I've always insisted the Tottenham one. Oh, you know, his walkthrough is the best one. But you expect that from Mohamed Salah because he's got a hell of a left foot on him. He's got a hell of a shot on him. And he can beat any man when they're like right on him. Mm. He can shrug him off and walk his way through. You always expect it from him. You don't expect that goal last night. Um, and if he's can add more of these tools to his um, armoury, 
and it's a very dangerous player. Like Messi is one of the best on the planet and he's always been very left foot. Mm. And yeah, you see him score right foot goals, but you still don't see him score from that angle. It's crazy. Mm, absolutely. If, if Mo's got that right foot firing as well, <laughs> best of luck to uh, everyone else who's out there. Right, well, uh, last point on last night then. Let's just have a little general look at that game because mm-hmm. uh, whilst it was ridiculously action-packed and I have absolutely no idea still, having watched a bit of it back, how it was nil-nil at half-time, end-to-end, it was seemed to go from, from one final third to the next and just bypassing midfield. And whilst big chances were conceded and Alisson stepped up and had another good game, I think you could still make a case for that being one of the best, certainly one of the most significant European away performances under Jurgen Klopp so far. Where would you rank it? I mean, obviously it's a group stage game. It's not a knockout game, but secured Liverpool's passage and it was a game where they had to go and get something. Does it compete with perhaps Bayern Porto for you? It depends on where they end up in the Champions League this year. Like if they go and get knocked out in the next stage, not going to really have any fond feelings on Mm. this campaign as such. But it is an important one. The way days, Liverpool aren't the best under Jurgen Klopp in Europe mm. it's very old school oh we'll just get the job done away from home get a respectable result and then we'll make sure we wrap it up at Anfield and the exceptions are you think oh they're really good away from home because of the Bayern Munichs and the Portos when they've gone and battered these great teams but Bayern Munich they weren't at their best when Liverpool destroyed them last year Porto Liverpool destroyed them two years in a row Yeah, they're confident in doing that there was always this uh, growing fear about Salzburg because they've got a lot of good players who maybe go under the radar a bit before the games and you didn't know what to expect from them and they just they're up for it there's that confidence there mm. uh, so but you can never count a group stage game as one of the best ones it's a bit harsh to say that like you think back to last year PSG at the time felt amazing the 3-2 the last minute win at Anfield but you're not thinking of that one come May, June when no. you're in the final you're thinking of Barcelona you're thinking of Bayern Munich that is just what Liverpool Football Club is about. They're about the knockout games, the romance there, the drama there. Yeah, you get a bit of drama by making it go to the last day. And it was probably one of the better performances, but it's not going to go down in the annals the same way as them. If you think back to once in the past, like Olympiacos, that was because Liverpool were out. Yeah. And they managed to claw it back and they never expected to win the tournament. And that was that pinnacle moment. They, they were going through with a draw anyway. Mm. Let's be a bit realistic here. It's a good performance and everything, but it won't be right up there. Mm. We'll just have it in that little context. No, I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, right, well, last point then, we will take a look at how the Champions League draw is shaping up, which is next Monday. Um, I think it's about half 10, 11 o'clock-ish. So we'll be providing plenty of coverage about that on the site and obviously live blog and such. Um, so far then, there are three of the five teams that Liverpool can play have been determined. So obviously mm. Liverpool have finished top. They'll play a second place team. They can't play Spurs. They can't play Napoli and they can't play Chelsea because of either... Napoli being in the same group or obviously the other two being English sides. So one's determined so far, you've got Real Madrid, you've got Dortmund, you've got Lyon. And then the remainder of the games tonight, it looks like at this stage, given the balance of the ties and how the groups are shaping up, that Atletico Madrid will be a probable another opponent of the five and Shakhtar the next um, also could be mm-hmm. the fifth contender. So of those at this stage, who would you say is, is the plum draw and who would you say Liverpool will be looking to avoid? Um, I think Liverpool, their strength under Jurgen Klopp is they're not afraid of anyone. So they can go and beat whoever's put in front of them. And you look at some of these games that they could get, say they've got Real Madrid, they'll be wanting yeah. revenge. Um, so the one I'd want to avoid is Shakhtar. Mm. When you think of how many fixtures they're going to be playing between well, over the whole winter months, you don't want to be going that far out and having that tough away game. You might have complete faith you're going to get the result done. But that extra mileage when Jurgen Klopp's already bemoaning the fact that they're not getting enough time on the training pitch because of mm. the number of games... 
that just looks like not a banana skin, but one you want to avoid. Mm. Um, whereas you look at these other games, uh, it's hard to say because say Atletico get through, uh, they've got that European pedigree, but they're not having a great season in La Liga. So it's like, well, they're not having a good season, so they're not going to be the the threat they were in the past. Mm. Or is it fine, they'll just focus on Europe, go all out and be a cup team this year. Uh, it's the same for, say, Lyon. But that's probably the team I want. I probably yeah. want Lyon because you think, oh, France, it's reasonable, it's close enough. Um, if we remember 2009-10, you can get a little revenge against them. Um, Klopp, would you want Dortmund? Would you want to go back to them again? It's again, always that tough yeah. time um, against them. And Real Madrid, I think they're picking up a little bit now. They're not the bad team they were at the end of last season. Uh, they've got a couple of younger players who seem to be grabbing the opportunity mm-hmm. and they will be a threat. They're second in the league at the moment, so they're not going to just focus on Europe. But we can't write off Real Madrid. They've got the name, they've got the history. Zinedine Zidane has done it in this tournament with them so many times before. Uh, the romance is you do want Real Madrid because it is the name. You want mm. those big European games. You want to go to the Bernabeu, get a famous win, take them back to Anfield, get the job done and make that statement to the rest of the continent. Liverpool are the European champions and they have just beaten one of the best teams or the, one of the biggest names in Europe. Um, you look at the other teams that could potentially slip through if there's an upset. You're looking at Bayer Leverkusen. I don't think Liverpool would have any fears about no. playing them. They've beaten them before. Um, then you've got Atalanta. They're fourth in the group now. So you think, well, then that's quite an easy group it was for Man City. Mm. But if they're fourth behind Zagreb and Shakhtar, you think, well, that's a beatable team. Yeah. I think an uh, extra curveball in there is they've not been playing the European games at home. They've been playing at the San Siro. Mm. So say they get through with Inter Milan being out and San Siro getting knocked down in a couple of years, it'd be quite nice to get another trip to the San Siro. Yeah, true. Um, Zagreb, it's almost like Shakhtar, isn't it? It's like Croatia. You think of it as it's not a nice place to go. It's a bit kinder, but then it's a team you expect Liverpool just go and get the job done against. Mm. So it's those Dortmund will be up for it if they're against Jurgen Klopp. That's the team you want to avoid. Real Madrid, that's who the fans want, isn't it? The romance yeah. there. But for me, Leon is the team that you think that's the comfortablest draw. Mm. Absolutely. No, I think I fully concur with that. Uh, you do see a lot of the fans looking for Real Madrid revenge, but maybe maybe let's have that a little bit further down the line. <laughs> and uh, a nice little sunny trip to France to play Leon would, would probably be the one. Uh, right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for tuning into the Agenda Pod. Um, and we will be back later in the week for another Blood Red. And of course, we will be carrying all the details tonight about who the final five confirmed opponents who Liverpool could draw next week are and and yeah next Monday is the big one for the draw so we'll have plenty on that too thank you very much you've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel